practically middle-aged. The sheriff calls us outlaws. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to episode 19 of the Middle-Aged Outlaws podcast. We're here in April 1998 and today we're going to be talking about WWF pay-per-view Unforgiven 1998. Adam, how are things going? You doing all right? Yeah, doing okay, thanks. Yourself? I'm good, thanks. Um, how did you enjoy Unforgiven 1998 after what, what was probably quite a a brutal viewing of our last WCW pay-per-view, um, which for life me, I can't remember what it was. Uncensored, oh, of course. How could I forget? Uncensored. Yeah. Um, Uncensored. Yeah, yeah. how done Forgiven treat you? I I enjoyed it. Um, I, it's not perfect. I didn't love everything on it, but um, there was enough there to to keep my interest kind of through it. Um Definitely preferred watching this to watching what we'd watched the last time. Yeah, same. And and it, it's crazy to to remember, but the last WWF pay-per-view we did was that big changing of the guard, WrestleMania 14. So, um, yeah, I think we've got high hopes for what we're going to be seeing for WWF at the moment. Yep, definitely. Shall we go for it? Shall we just jump straight into it? Yep, let's go for it. Okay, okay. I'm going to open up the network so that I'm not forgetting anything. Um, <laughs> the the go home raw. We were just discussing it before we started recording, and we we both were sort of in agreement that there's quite a lot of goofy stuff going on <laughs> in the build up to this yeah. pay per view. Um, doesn't feel, you know, we had Tyson, we had Michaels. Uh, there's a lot mm-hmm. of serious stuff building us up to WrestleMania. Maybe this is just a little sort of. Um, you know, like a little lag after WrestleMania. Um, yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, y- you can tell they're going full throttle with Austin McMahon and Dude Love is the the pawn yeah. um, in the game. Um, there's some really weird stuff with the Undertaker and Kane <laughs> going on. <laughs> we said this the last time, don't we? But let's just put that in its own little. It's own little box over here, and we'll just accept that it's played within its own different little play area. Yeah, um, yeah. The, there's underneath, you know, there's there's DX uh, getting up some shenanigans, uh, which is pretty pretty entertaining. Uh, I was all off with timelines because we we start seeing Dan Severn yes. uh, here as well. Very well dressed. Yeah, I I remembered that he. He was in WWE. I couldn't quite remember the timeline, but I suppose Shamrock's there, so mm. it kind of makes sense. Uh, so we've got some stuff going on with with him as well. Um, the 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 whole the show's built around uh, Austin McMahon and also that Undertaker Kane stuff. Really, absolutely. I uh, we're a bit WCWsque here. Actually, we're concentrating on the big guns and um, not yeah. much else going on underneath. Were you at all concerned with with Billy Guns? Sort of enthusiasm for pissing on things. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it did make me laugh. Um, <laughs> just at the start of it, when you know, 
So basically, we see DX watching a, a video of themselves pissing on is DOA's motorbikes. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Billy Gunn questioning why Triple H was the only one that that wasn't pissing on the bike, and asked if asks if he's so proud why he didn't whip it out. Um, then there's a whole lot of innuendo. Um, Triple H is saying he'll he'll do it right now, but Billy Gunn asks him to to do it in front of the crowd. Um, there's a whole lot of you know I dare you uh, and all that, and then I think there's a mention of a golden shower um, <laughs> up to the crowd, um, and then we've you know this this all happens I think at a, a few intervals within the show, but we've got JR's playing the kind of straight guy who's very afraid of what's about to happen. Triple H comes out wearing a a, a big raincoat, uh, mocks the away, uh, outlaws have a go at LOD. Triple H starts calling Sonny skanky. That's right. Um, now that Sean's uh, left, they can get away with that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> gets the, even gets the crowd to join with a wee chant of that. Um, <laughs> you got Triple H having a go at Owen. So they are tying in with the matches that they've got coming up. Mm. Um, and then the <laughs> Billy Gunn stops Triple H and says, uh, tells him it's, it's time for a little show and tell. Um, <laughs> They all huddle around Triple H. He's looking down, and then because you know they're going with the, the camera angle, they're they're facing away from the the hard camera, um, and then you you see some movement, and then water starts spraying. It's a it's a water gun uh, spraying into the crowd. Um, so yeah, there's there's all these antics around that, which leads to uh, LOD coming out, and Owen is with them. And Slaughter, Sergeant Slaughter orders a six man tag for Raw that night. Um, so yeah, it's, <laughs> Billy Gunn does, does have a quite a level of enthusiasm throughout that whole, that whole thing. I, I never minded it that much. It's really, you know, it's very childish and all that, but at least they're relatively young. Mm. And they come across as quite a, you know, a young group. Uh, um, it was always with me more when it was, you know, like Shawn Michaels and Triple H in their late forties trying to, and probably <laughs> older than that, trying to revisit the, that sort of really immature stuff that I felt it was a bit cringeworthy. Uh, yeah. Like by the time they got to their fourth uh, version of DX or something like that, yeah, they're like older looking guys. Yeah. It's a bit like how you've seen John Cena. Recently, and he's still wearing those bright t-shirts and the jorts, and it just you're just like no, yeah, and this looks wrong. The fact that he, not to go too much into it, but the fact that he is what he is now as a star, you know, globally, and you know, acting and all that, you would think he could come out with a totally different look. Nobody's gonna boo him for it or blame him for it. It's it's fine. Um, I'm sure they would still sell the merchandise, but yeah, that's that's maybe is what it's all about. <laughs> um, yeah, like you said, like the main parts of this role are built around Austin McMahon and Dude Love and the Undertaker stuff. Um, the Undertaker's, Undertaker and Kane stuff is ridiculous and weird and, <laughs> f- you know, like so far-fetched you wouldn't even get this sort of behaviour in a in a soap opera, but I tell you what, Paul Bearer has been given a story and he is, he's going for it. He's given 110% yeah, this storyline. He, he's committing to the part. I get really creeped out by his voice and when he's doing all his 
I was going to try an impression. I don't think I can oh, do man. it, but um, yeah, it's such a weird story. This is them. There, there's a, there's a. I think we start off early on with Kevin <laughs> Kelly at a <laughs> grave site, yeah. and and then you know Undertaker. I think he he arrives. He he sees something that horrifies him or something like. Did they talk about a scream or something like that? Oh, I don't um, know. Kevin Kelly's getting a serious case of shooting the messenger (laughs) Undertaker's going after the wrong man there, poor Kevin Yeah, he gets gets beat up by the Undertaker yeah so we we hear something is very wrong um, and Taker's having a go at Kevin Kelly where did they go, you tell me he's shouting at him and all that (laughs) Uh, but Kevin Kelly doesn't know what the Undertaker saw Uh, they see a hearse pull up backstage uh, at Raw and their speculation over who's driving it. I think they assume initially it's the Undertaker. Um, it's not. It's Paul Bearer and Kane that get out the the, the hearse. Imagine, imagine walking along the street and you see a hearse being driven by this gigantic guy in a red mask. <laughs> um, we we get uh, we get um, two coffins coming out of of the back of the hearse and then. Um, uh, that, that there's worms on it or something like that. This all kind of takes place various points through the yeah. through the show. Yeah. Um, so you've got um, I can't remember who said. I think it's Paul Bearer says it's Mummy and Daddy. Um, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> um, you get Paul Bearer then again blaming uh, Undertaker for the fire. Uh, something about cheap caskets that have been in the ground twenty years. Undertaker's music hits. Um, and he appears through the crowd uh, because I think the coffins are up on the stage. Yeah, they are um, on top of the ramp. Yeah, um, and then we've got uh, gasoline being poured and then uh, Undertaker's approaching. Paul Bearer tells him to stop. There's a bit of a standoff. B- uh, Paul Bearer sets one of the coffins alight. Undertaker charges. Kane catches Undertaker, chokeslams him through the other coffin, the one that's not alike. This isn't uh, uh, catch fire, whatever it's called, match. So uh, he, he just goes through the other one. Um, he got a horrible laugh by Paul Bearer, uh, and he, he says something like "Rest in peace with your dead mama" or something <laughs> like that. Um, yeah, the, we the, get this. The, we get an extreme close up of like Undertaker lying in amongst bones yeah. and worms and stuff like that. Like you said, it's, it's fucked up. It's so out of place as well uh-huh. with, with the show. Um, ah, yeah, it's, it's really weird. So, so that's like, like you say, that's dotted throughout the show. And the other thing that we're getting here is basically we're hinting uh, another version of the Montreal screw job. Vince is doing all these. So we got a, we got a main event set for Raw, which is Steve Blackman versus Dude Love. And if that doesn't whet your appetite, to sit and watch Raw, then I don't know what would. Um, we get Vince sitting at ringside. This is when he's doing it, isn't he? And he's like, yeah, he's making nods to. T- oh no, no, I'm getting two things mixed up. We just get like a, a phony finish, uh, don't yeah. we? I think Dude Love's got Steve Blackman in some sort of um, submission hold, and and Vince gets him to ring the bell. And we get a- yeah, they they basically recreate the screw job. Um, all I think with the intent we, we see 
what happens at the pay-per-view mm-hmm. in terms of what impact that is to have in the storyline. Because um, Austin, I think Blackman attacks the timekeeper after. Cause the timekeeper rings the bell. The ref doesn't seem to have any idea what's going on or why. Um, then Austin comes out. I think there's a couple of stunners to the uh, the Stooges, Briscoe and Patterson. That's right. Um, and uh, Vince... I think, yeah, Austin's going after Vince. Dude Love catches Austin. Uh, and McMahon's just kind of walking away while Austin Dude Love fight, which is, I think, is the way the show goes off the air. So, um, you, you are left with the, 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 the intention is to give the impression that, you know, this is McMahon's company. If he doesn't want the belt on this guy, he will work out a way to get it off him regardless. Yeah. It's so shameless. All yeah. this, and I think we spoke about this last thing. It's so shameless, all this stuff with the Montreal screw job and, and riffing on it. Uh, I mean, what else do you expect? But it is, and, and it, you know, like we'll, we'll see it again this year, actually, and we'll, we'll see it again years and year, year after year, sort, sort of thing. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really remember it. There's a lot of stuff going on here that I didn't really remember because I, I remembered elements of them doing the, the screw job. I think they do it when. The Rock wins that Survivor Series tournament, yeah, and that's maybe a year after. Yeah, is yeah it? that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I remembered that, but I didn't really remember mentions of it and kind of threats to to do it again. At this point, I, I remembered um, Mick Foley being aligned with McMahon to you know probably over the course of almost a year. I didn't really remember the whole dude lump thing. It just, I don't know why. It's just something I forgot about. Yeah. I like the character, actually. Um, mm-hmm. It's obviously totally different for, for Foley. Uh, and I think he plays it, it, you know, like I feel like we're in on the joke. Um, mm-hmm. And that's yeah. that's the whole point of the character. He's funny. And I like him as a heel, actually. It's like a mm-hmm. sort of, un, he's an unwitting heel. He's, he's not like a sort of twirling moustache evil heel. Yeah, it was it was apparently the type of character he always wanted to play. Um he 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 loved the you know, the Shawn Michaels character and stuff like that, you know, the guy that was the, the heartbreak kid. He, he he loved that kind of stuff, but he knew I think probably fairly early in his career that nobody was going to take that seriously for him. Mm-hmm. It, so it's kinda come about in a different way for him. But it's it's good that he was able to do it. Um, and you're able to see these because I mean the fun they've had over the years with the three characters that he's had yeah. um, like I remember interviews where it's all three of them and all three of them coming out of Rumble which we've covered <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so that, that, I like the fact they were able to get that character over and we've obviously got not obviously but we've got a history between Austin and Dude Love they were tag team champions yeah. um, and you know like unlikely friends and all that sort of stuff as well which isn't really referenced um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was I think it must have been 97 that that happened so I think we're supposed to you know like hark back to that if you were yeah. watching sort of thing I think, he, I think um, Dude Love mentions it in an interview somewhere through the run you know the fact that he carried I'm sure he says <laughs> he carried Austin <laughs> to the tag titles and stuff like that um, which is quite quite funny um, just given where they are and where they've ended up. Yeah. Cool. So, should we jump into the pay-per-view? Yeah, um, I was just looking through my notes to see if there was anything else significant happened, but I think that's 
that's it really I don't I, a wee bit surprised that there wasn't um unless I've just not noted it but there wasn't much from the nation when the fallout and all that but I think there was a match Farouk v Kama that's right um yeah but yeah it's um not that not that critical really um because that's that jumps to my mind as the other probably below the biggest uh, feed. The, yeah um along with DX kind of the other main things on the card trigger warning for people with ears uh, there's an interview with Sable on that episode of Raw so maybe if you do have ears don't watch that <laughs> uh, so we're in we're apparently in WCW country Adam um, yeah uh, this sort of always baffles me if you're thinking about it from a wrestling is coming to the United Kingdom point of view then people just go and see see the wrestling if it's coming um, mm-hmm. At this point in time, 1998 still baffles me that, that, that they have, not territories as such, but certainly geographical areas in the country where they favour one thing or over the other, but apparently so. Yeah, it's like, a, I think it came from the territory days mm. um, and there's like a hangover for it in some, it seems like it's some states, maybe not a huge number of them, but um, I like they, they always referenced, I think, the, the Carolinas, yeah. you know, um, and then it's it's predominantly referenced as New York for mm-hmm. for WWE in terms of their territory, and that others aren't even supposed to run it. You know, mm-hmm. not really expected to go there and draw it. Did they reference Ric Flair? I, I, I think in the intro. Yes, um, yeah. I, I don't think in the intro. Uh, I was going to mention Ric Flair there when we were just talking about WCW. So I think when Sable's coming out. JR says something like you would think it was like a big time wrestler, right? Like Ric Flair or something, uh, based on the ovation. Um, So the rumour is that during this show, um, that Ric Flair was circling the building in his car on the phone to Jim Cornette, um, while simultaneously on the phone to his attorney. And he was unhappy with how Bischoff was on WCW at the time and I think he was essentially being buried. We, I don't really remember talking about him very often. Um, mm-hmm. Last thing I think we spoke about him was his match with Bret Hart. Yeah. Um, and even then he didn't, he wasn't getting huge television time or anything, was he? No, I, I again, I can't remember the timelines, but I know basically they had uh, the NWO, I think, beat the Horsemen or an incarnation of the horsemen right. in very much horseman territory. And right. it felt like that that almost killed them off. Okay. Um, yeah, there was like a situation where there was expected to be a big comeback by them. And then I think Bischoff just decided not to do it. Um, and I think Flair and Bischoff had genuine like dislike of mm-hmm. each other for, for quite a long period. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if Flair at this point in time was hating life, hating being buried in WCW and probably wanting out. So the plan apparently was for, apparently Reed Flair was a, a high level amateur wrestler. Um, and the plan was to have Reed Flair and Ric Flair sit in the front row of this pay-per-view and do an interview with Reed Flair and just have Ric Flair stand there smiling at the camera. Okay. Um, but and and they really wanted to do it. Vince was apparently up for it. Of course, he would be get one over on <laughs> WCW. Um, 
at the end of the day, Flair's attorney told him, with all the sort of litigation involved, it was a bad idea, and they right. ended up not doing it, but apparently they came very close. Um, Interesting. So there you go, a wee bit, a wee bit, um, a wee factoid there. Apparently Austin was very keen to work with them uh, nice. as champion. So, yeah, wrestling, wrestling as we know it might have been completely different. We might have got a different WrestleMania 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, interesting. So. I'd never, I'd never heard anything about that. It's good research. Um, so there you go. So yeah, we're in North Carolina, WCW territory. We got JR and King as always on commentary. Um, felt to me that uh, almost as soon as this pay per view started, that it felt different to the pay per views we've been watching up until now in WWF. Don't know if you got that. Don't know if I'm making it up in my head. But I just felt that it felt a bit different. I felt like we we had changed um, eras almost. Yeah, um, I think everything quite quickly. I, I think I maybe noticed it straight from maybe the build up for a couple of weeks before Mania fourteen. Um, you know, with the introduction of Tyson and things mm-hmm. like that, that there felt like there was a little bit more of an edge mm-hmm. to everything. Um, and a, a feeling of, and this isn't always a good thing, but a, a bit of a feeling of unpredictability. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's it's hard when you're looking back at something where, you know, you kind of have a vague understanding and memory of what happens. But it did feel like they'd, um, I suppose, new era is is the phrase. But yeah, I, I felt there was always a feeling of edge about the shows by this point. Yeah, yeah I agree. And that unpredictability was being, you know, we're getting breadcrumbs. Vince had said that he guaranteed, and I think this might be the first time we got the the mm-hmm. infamous guarantee from Vince that something catastrophic would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I can decide by the end of this whether or not something catastrophic did happen. Maybe it was that NWA match that we'll talk about. <laughs> um, so our opening bout, we've got the NOD, the Nation of Domination, Versus the the VAM, very angry men. <laughs> We've got the Rock Dilo and Mark Henry accompanied by Kama against an odd trio of Shamrock, Farouk and Steve Blackman. Um first first question I got for you, Adam. Why are Farouk, Shamrock and Steve Blackman doing the nation salute? I don't know. Uh... <laughs> That it felt a little bit weird. I didn't know if storyline it's supposed to be a little bit of uh, the fruit character being like, I, I created the nation, I, c- I can create another one. Mm. You know, that that kind of thing. Um, and also potentially just to antagonise the nation. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it was, I'm, I'm trying, but it, it, <laughs> it stood out. Like I put it in my notes. Um, that they they do the salute, and I wrote that's weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, with with a little bit more time to think about it. That those were the things that that sort of crossed my mind that you could explain it away with. It felt to me like this was a weird choice for an opening match of a pay per view. Um, it felt like there probably be should have been a lot of heat, um, and I think there was a lot of heat between Farouk and Shamrock and The Rock. Um, mm-hmm. Both have got their gripes with them. Last time we saw Shamrock and The Rock, they were—I was going to say—they were hitting each other with chairs, but The Rock was was mm-hmm. batting Shamrock's head in the front row. 
and obviously the beef between Farouk and the Rock is, you know, we've spoke about that. Um, and he's he's ousted him as leader of the nation. So, the, and the nation, the Rock got the nation to jump Farouk. So all these people have got logical uh, part in this match. Steve Blackman appears to be just sort of slotted in as generic karate guy with Shamrock, I think. Yeah, I, I think... Um... So Shamrock was the guy, he's obviously had his issues with The Rock, but he was the guy that they did the mid-match turn of Mark Henry Correct. with, wasn't it? Yeah. And then was Blackman in a match where there was a turn as well? Is, or is that is that coming here? I think that's, yeah. I think that's, is that the, I think that's the following Raw, is it? Oh, that's the following Raw. Yeah, I've jumped the gun on that. Yeah, um, so yeah, I don't know if they've just thought, well, Blackman's pals with Shamrock? I, I don't know. He's got what's it? Michelangelo used to have. What's his weapon? Um, nunchucks. nunchucks. Yeah, he's yeah. got nunchucks. He's a dangerous man. He says, "Damn, let's chuck them together." Because yeah, um, Blackman was never an MMA guy or anything, was he? he nah, was... I think what they what they call him? The something weapon. <laughs> the the yeah. lethal weapon. Lethal weapon. Steve yeah. Blackman. Yeah. Nah, okay. karate, I think. Anyway, um, it, it was an odd match. I feel like if they were wanting to give the crowd what they wanted, they would have had the rock involved a lot more. I, I, get, mm-hmm. I get keeping him out and building up the intent, you know, like building up, getting the rock in the ring with a hot tag with Farouk and Shamrock, but it never really, really yeah. worked. And it, it never really exploded the way it should have. Mm-hmm. Um we, we had, you know, Mark Henry and D'Lo are working a lot of this match. Um, and, yeah, I, I felt it just never really got going, I suppose. Uh, there, there were a, a couple of things in it. So I, I got at the start, they were making it look like The Rock was afraid of Shamrock and Farouk. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't want to be in there with either of them until his team had the advantage. So that's, you know, just your basic heel uh, psychology. Aye. And he's he's the leader, he's scared of the two. But, like, there was one moment where I think Shamrock got tagged in, it was quite a, a reaction to the tag and all that, but then it just kind of meandered from, from then on. And, yeah, it it it, it didn't really get going. Um, I, I don't think the Rock, thing, the Rock was doing good crowd work. Yeah, he always does, but I, I felt he sort of carried this match, which you can expect. But, yeah, yeah. From um, that point of I, view. I do at times remember I put in my notes um, that I just I love D'Lo Brown. I love his bobblehead smack talk in the <laughs> ring. He's uh, just really entertaining. Um, yeah, there was um, I was a hot tag for Farouk as well, but it mm-hmm. wasn't. I don't know. It, it didn't grab you. Yeah. Um, there was, a, I think, a, a big DDT by The Rock on Farouk for a, a two count. Um, I didn't really like the... Is it called the Dominator? Yeah, that was Farouk's a... You shouldn't be doing that to people. I, it, it didn't look safe. Like, I, I thought <laughs> Definitely it, didn't it? It looked like The Rock was actually slipping out of his grasp when he <laughs> when he did it. And I, I watched it and thought, well, that could have been the you know the next star player out. That could have been him done. Uh, uh, it was yeah. pretty untidy. Yeah, totally agree. I, I find it's I find it odd that Farouk Farouk you know clean pinned the Intercontinental Champion just like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember where it goes from there. 
So, yeah, I'm sure we'll pick that up. But um, mm. to me, and, and obviously, again, we spoke about this hindsight, but to me, it felt like Farouk was never going to go anywhere here. Yeah, um, there was a, a podcast I listened to, uh, the new Bruce Pritchard and Conrad one last week was about Farouk. Oh, okay. um, and when they put the nation together, there was every intention he was going to be the breakout star. Wow. But the, you know, he'd been pretty big in WCW, he'd been yeah. world champion. Um, they wanted to recreate him. They didn't feel like just going by Ron Simmons was, was going to get over, but they thought he's not that young, but they wanted to make a big deal out of him. So their plan was to put a bunch of young guys with him and basically have them do the work mm-hmm. and, and him be the leader. But I think from, from what they said, everyone, including Farouk, realized pretty quick when The Rock was put in, this isn't going to work because he has to be the breakout star. Mm. So they kind of totally changed direction in the way they were going to go on it. Um, and I suppose that, you know, with the way The Rock was performing, there's really no option. You kind of have to do that. Yeah. Um, but it did sound like part of it was also from a, you know, real life in the business point of view, they thought it'd be good for these young guys to actually be working with Farouk. Right. Not so much in-ring technician, but, you know, the way he carried himself, the mm. respect he had and all that, and uh, apparently pretty humble as well. Um, it sounds thought, that way if, the, if you're saying that he's, he's stepped aside for The Rock, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, and then... I think when when they realised they, they had to make The Rock the leader, there's kind of, it is difficult in terms of where do you then go on your pivot with Farouk? Because I think we're, we've mentioned it before, we're both in agreement, we don't see, uh, you know, a singles star in Farouk anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe if he'd gone there years earlier, possibly, but not, not at this stage. Um, he's not brilliant or dazzling in the ring or anything like that. Uh, he has uh, a bit of, probably a bit of name value for some older fans who maybe watch WCW as well, but mm. for the generation they're trying to grab to watch now, he's, he's, he's not really relevant. No, it doesn't really fit what they're, what they're trying to go for, does he? Yeah. It's a so shame. I, 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 I felt did, a wee he bit. Find, he found his, he found his sort of, yeah, he found his lane. With accolades, obviously. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, that he probably felt a little bit same again because at one stage they said, uh, we we need a, a new heel and we're going to try and make JBL that mm. heel. And uh, I think to, by then he was he was basically done anyway. Um, but no, yeah, wonder, no wonder a poor guy goes about saying damn all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, when I heard it, I thought it's um, it's a good thing that he didn't try to block it or dig his heels in or anything mm. like that. By mm. the sounds of it, he's he's seen it himself and thought, yeah, that's it's the only way you can go from here. But what you do with him then is is quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, sort of weird one next. We've got, and I think we see this in WCW, but they do it a little bit differently during their pay per views. If they want to speak to someone, they kind of do it on the ramp. Um, mm. I don't think we've really come to expect this from WWF. We get them, we get an Austin promo essentially in the middle of the ring. His music hits, he comes down, and he cuts a 
a, a bullying promo on the smallest man that's probably <laughs> in the arena, the the, the um, timekeeper, Mark Eaton. Yeah. Mark, Mark Eaton, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> he cuts a promo, tells him he'll whip his ass if he screws him in the main event. So Austin knows what's going on. He's talking about conspiracies and all that. Mm-hmm. I felt it was an odd placement. Um, yeah, even, yeah, this this felt like it might be better suited. Michael Cole, um, with his gormless expression, maybe just speaking <laughs> to him and he's, you know, backstage or something like that. But, yeah, yeah I, I think, uh, you know, I think they wanted the, the sort of visual of the two of them together. Yeah, like that's fair. Austin and the tiny timekeeper. It did come across as, because, you know, the, the situation the timekeeper's in, this isn't, you know, he's not choosing to do this. He's basically he's doing looking at it as, and... yeah, he's doing what his boss is telling him to do. Uh, um, and now he basically, it sounds like you're saying, he's either going to beat the crap out of him or he's going to lose his job. <laughs> The poor guy, you know, he's uh, rocking a hard place. So we get that promo and then we jump into our rematch for WrestleMania 14 for the European title. Um, We've had a little bit of a thing going on where China's been interfering with Own Heart in matches where she's been obviously down with Triple H. We've had her handcuffed to slaughter, but that didn't work out. She ended up throwing... A large handful of baby powder in his face at WrestleMania 14. <laughs> um, so this time we're sticking her in a cage and suspending that cage. Depending on what scale you're working on, if you're working on a normal scale, 20 foot, if you're working on JR scale, about <laughs> 60 foot in, in, in the air. Uh, yeah, I, I think we complained about the fact that they were doing this rematch, but then I'm watching this. And what they did with China, I felt that it made sense. Let's try and let's try and even things. Let's just try and get China completely out of this. So um, yeah, it maybe did make sense after all. I think. Yeah, I I, um, I couldn't work out. So I actually thought that the the match could have been a really good match because it you know from when they were actually just in the ring wrestling and Owen seems to have the advantage most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It, it looked like quite a decent match, but obviously the cage is taking the attention a lot of the time, and that's fine. No, yeah. no real issue with that. Um, I didn't know where whether uh, she, so China is in the cage and, and reaches for a saw. Is it? She's a got like saw. a file. Yeah, um, and then she she drops that, and then she starts bending the bars of the the cage. Oh, I thought she needed a poo. Oh, um, yeah, the, I, you see when she's kind of out of the cage, but she's clinging onto it and dangling. <laughs> I felt, I, I know that she, you know, got through this okay. I felt really anxious watching this because I was thinking that's not safe. There's she, no part of that that's safe. No, same when she was upside down. I was yeah. thinking if she falls, let's go, slips out of that, she's landing on her head. Uh-huh. I, I, I didn't. I thought it was quite a good, you know, they, they had this thing, was it cage cam, they were calling it, where yeah, you basically China, got... China cam, cage cam or something like that, yeah. So you, you basically got her view or from in the cage of what was going on. I'm not a big fan of heights, but mm. I, I I can cope with that. And then you see her 
you know, dangling and then upside down and all that. And I, yeah, I, I, I didn't like that at all. And then the, the story I thought was going in a different direction because it looked so dangerous what she was doing. And then the cage starts lowering. And I thought it was going to be a story of, oh, someone, you know, whoever's in charge, whoever's running the show in storyline decided this looked too dangerous, so we have to lower it. But I think you then see it's either a road dog or Billy Gunn yeah, walking from away dog, okay. from, from where the controls were. Um, and yeah, Owen's in control in the, in the match. And he, I think he's got the sharpshooter on Triple mm-hmm. H. Um, but Owen sees that China's out and breaks the hold and, uh, goes over to, to confront, uh, China. Um, I think we get Slaughter coming back down getting himself involved, but Triple H hits Owen from behind. Uh, he goes for the pedigree. Owen counters, hits a pedigree on Triple H. Class pedigree. Yeah, there is, uh, there's no ref who's still, I think, distracted by everything going on uh, to make the count. Uh, X-Pac sneaks into the ring, uh, hits Owen over the head with a fire extinguisher. Um, and tri- Triple H uh, pins him to, to win and retain uh, and this is I, I knew this was coming but I didn't know it was now but we get Owen's interview after this where uh, he, he says enough is enough this bullshit has to stop and things have to change um, so I, 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 as soon as he did that I remembered what was going to happen uh, uh, yeah uh, but I was laughing at that because this Poor guy is essentially has been beaten by about five, you know, like he's taken on about five different people here. They've put China in a cage, so here's X Pac. They put, you know, they, they handcuffed her or a slaughter. This former WWF champion that's a mountain of man couldn't stop her. Um, you've got X Pac involved, you've got the road dog helping out, and, and he says, This is bullshit. And rather than GR being the sort of face or, um, <laughs> You know, like middle of the road, come to it. He's like, "Oh, come on, this disgraceful <laughs> behaviour and all that sort of thing." It's like, give that guy a break, for goodness' sake. Yeah, it, I mean, Jr. has to be learning to see that from from Owen's point of view. <laughs> I did, I did think it was quite um, encouraging, or I would have thought at the time anyway. The fact that they they've basically had Owen fail at every turn, but kept him strong. Uh-huh. Because he's he's always looked like he was in control and going to win in in basically every match they've had. And he's been screwed. Um, I think uh, JR actually mentions in commentary the fact that, you know, this animosity dates back to September or or the uh, Survivor Series pay-per-view, rather. um, Which is, you know, a reference to Owen being the only heart that's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I watched it and I thought, oh, they could have gone so many ways with Owen here, but uh, we know what ends up happening. <laughs> they, they went the, the one route that we didn't want them to. <laughs> yeah. We're just mentioning JR there, he says something that really made me laugh and I was watching it at one point, Triple H goes in the corner, you know, does a suck it and then um, drops an E and he, he questions if Killer Kowalski ever did the suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I quite thought was quite an interesting question to ask. I wonder how many people watching knew what he was talking about. <laughs> um, so that, that that was quite a good match. And yeah, I've got a question for you, Adam. 
Yeah. Have you ever been on a picnic and you've been enjoying the sandwiches so much and you just think, oh man, I wish there was more sandwiches. I'm having such a good time. And somebody's like, oh wait, look at the bottom of the basket. I found a little bonus sandwich. And you're like, ah, yes. You open it up and you bite into it and it's a shit sandwich. (laughs) It's never happened to me. Uh, in in a picnic environment, but I mean, watching this pay per view, <laughs> did it happen to you? I I can, if you want, purely for entertainment purposes, run you through my notes for what's coming next. Yeah, do it. Go for it. Okay, so I've got Jim Cornette comes out and insults the crowd, belittles <laughs> the Rock and Roll Express. Next line. I don't care about this. <laughs> next line. Uh, big gaps in the crowd during this match (laughs) next line only thing I found entertaining was Jim Cornette he goes to fight the ref at one stage whipping off his jacket and all that Uh, and then I've got on the bottom line Midnight Express cheat to win Uh, they made all 7 minutes feel like 30 oh my days this is awful please don't call this a bonus match this was not a (laughs) bonus match this was time that I could have done by getting back. Yeah. Um, but the big, my biggest takeaway was was calling f- mid forties year old men every mother's nightmare and every school girl school girl's dream. <laughs> Je- Jerry oh, Lawler must have been, you know, like the hairs on the back of his neck must have been standing up there. I think they were talking sounds, about him. Sounds so creepy. <laughs> I don't I don't like that at all. And the fact that it's the new Midnight Express who are, you know, they are who they are. I can't, they're, they're both... Bodacious it, Barton. Buck, fuck, bo- bo- <laughs> bo- what did you say there? Bo- bodacious. Bo- bodacious Bart. And Is it Bodacious Bart? Bodacious and, Bob and... I don't, uh, know. I don't even know. But it's, um, it's Bart Gunn. And uh, uh, Bob Holly, Bob Holly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we know that they're they're both bombastic, that bombastic and bodacious. Okay, so they're both going to have you know careers to some extent. You know, uh, Bart Gunn winning the uh, brawl for all, and then that's it basically. <laughs> but um, yeah, hardcore Holly had a lengthy career, and they they are young. And that just makes the Rock and Roll Express look even older. Oh my and they are old. They yeah. look really old. Um, and they're not. It's just, they're not at all. You know, I, uh, th- I think they must be about the same age as what AJ Styles is. Hmm. Just, it's just mad. They look so old. We've spoken uh-huh. about this before. They're like fossils. Uh, maybe, I don't know, touring 50 weeks a year had a, a little bit of a harsher effect on them than uh, over all those years than it does on the guys now. Tell you, it's not easy being a schoolgirl's dream, <laughs> apparently. Um, so there, this, I, that was that, that nonsense. This clearly put me in a bad mood because what <laughs> I've got in my notes next is promo Luna with gold dust and my notes just say, who cares? <laughs> I like this Luna promo. She, she you have to blame the match previous. Okay. It's not my fault at okay. this stage. I blame Bodacious. <laughs> Blart. 
we're not going to talk about this match anyway. It's fucking nonsense. We've got an evening go match, Luna and Sable. Um, the only thing I really want to talk about here is the delinquent in the crowd with the Sable free tongue bath sign. Yeah. You look too old to be holding that sign, mate. Mm-hmm. And what was yeah. the thanks for the mammaries as well? Yeah, I noticed <laughs> thanks for the mammaries. Um, did you send me a photo with both of those in it? Aye, aye, um, aye, aye. And for some reason, the one I looked at first was Thanks for the Memories, which was kind of in the background off to the side. Uh, whereas the one right in front of me, I just kind of glanced at and thought, ah, it's this other one I'm supposed to be looking at. And then I kind of had a moment where I, I, I looked at the whole big picture and thought, oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> I, imagine you're, I don't know, that guy's wife or... Parents or something like that. Just even remotely know that guy, you'd feel second and third hand embarrassment. Yeah. The thing is, Sable's ridiculously over, and we saw Wrestle at WrestleMania 14, and she was kept, you know, they they kept her, um, what's the word? They they sort of, they they knew that she couldn't wrestle a a full match, Mm -hmm. they kept in a tag match where it was limited in ring, but what she did do was impressive, right? Mm-hmm. So then, for the next pay-per-view, they put an evening go match, like, they, they could have they could have genuinely started their wrestling women's revolution a long, long time ago, in 1998, mm-hmm. if they'd had her wrestle this match as well. Have her working yeah. in between WrestleMania and now. Yeah, it just, it, it obviously starts... Um, it obviously starts types of matches that we're going to get, which I think stop at Royal Rumble 2000 because I, I blacked out at any sort of women's uh, match at Royal Rumble 2000. don't know about you, but I don't remember any other women's matches after that. Something must have happened at that event okay. that um, triggers bad things in my memory. I don't know about you, <laughs> if you remember that or not. But I don't. I don't remember what you're referencing. Do you but... know what? Nah. Genuinely? No, I don't. Me, me young, there's, there's, I think there's a... Oh, no. I think there's oh, no. a swimsuit contest. Oh, no, and, yeah. And, yeah, those, those ain't puppies. No. They're dogs. No, no. Uh-oh. Didn't have to uh, say Okay. So, we get... This is an odd pay-per-view, actually. Next thing after <laughs> this is another promo. We get Vince and the Stooges coming out. Yep. Vince again starts referencing the screw job. I mean, he, he could be hitting us over the head with the fact that he's <laughs> talking about the screw job. He promises something catastrophic. And it's odd because he doesn't have the no chance in hell music. He just walks out. Mm-hmm. And then when he's finished, just yeah. walks walks away again. It's pretty odd. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, yeah, I, I understood storyline, the Austin thing earlier with him coming out. Um I didn't really, you're not putting anything in a different position by having this. Mm -hmm. Everything that's said has already been said. I think there's a little bit of McMahon talking about this being his home state. Um, As if he's looking for, yeah, like he's looking for the crowd to sympathize. I've known fine well they weren't going to, but it's fine. You know, he's a heel. Uh, But it didn't really add to anything. We were already there. Mm. Yeah, it's hot. So we'll get back to we we'll get back to the ring. Um 
a match that I didn't have. This is quite a poor undercard of a pay-per-view, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst we're talking through it. A match I didn't have high hopes for. I was disappointed to see that we were seeing Legion of Doom again, although they they obviously won that Battle Royal to get their title shot at WrestleMania 14. Um, so here they get the chance to, to go back up against these cheeky young scamps, these up-and-comers um, that tried to take them out and all they managed to do was actually just force them into getting haircuts and putting on new makeup mm-hmm. and uh, motorbiking stuff uh, and finding Sony to manage them. So yeah, we get the Outlaws versus LOD 2000. Um, without without talking about the finish, what did you think of this match? It, it, it wasn't great. Um, <laughs> I thought there were a couple of moments where uh, the Outlaws were showing some good tag team logic and things like that, you know, mm-hmm. quick tags, um, isolating someone, you know, just that really basic uh, tag wrestling um, strategy type thing. I don't think LOD really had anything left mm-hmm. by this stage. I think they'd been probably done for a while, really. Um, and it showed, I don't think they could work a fast-paced match for any amount of time and things like that. Um, there was one point where there's a Hawk gets hit over the head with a, a title belt, tag title belt, and um, this was another I, I can't work out from positioning of everyone how it's possible for the ref not to have seen it. Um, <laughs> so that that obviously annoyed me enough to, to write it down. <laughs> um, they go for another belt shot, Hawk ducks, so Road Dog takes out Billy Gunn. Um, I, I got a little bit confused at the finish, but um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great match. It was quite poor, really. There's a couple of positive things I thought. I thought Billy, I've written down here that Billy Gunn's so good at selling. Um, yeah, he, he does make he makes the the the, the Legion of Doom look strong. Um, I just felt that LOD looked like they're. I don't know, it's it's almost, especially with Hawk, and it's probably just because you know what his background is like and what mm-hmm. happened with him, but you just feel like he's going to snap at any point and, <laughs> and just start yeah. shooting. Um, but the finish is an absolute mess. Like you say, Rodok hits Billy Gunn with the belt. I think Hawk tries to hit a German suplex on the road dog, and it's kind of like two people falling into bed together more than mm-hmm. anything else. Uh, and Jack Doan does a one, two, three, and you think, oh, we've got new champions. Looks like Legion of Doom have won the belts. But then we get one of those classic Finkel uh, announcements <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that, that the Outlaws have won won the match, and you're just kind of like, what? Yeah. Um, I, I like these by Fink, because, you know, there's he's Ooh. never one for the explanations, is he? Uh. He just... Hardcore just... Holly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was. It was. I don't know if it was badly done. It can't have been supposed to look like it did, because um, the 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 notion is, you know, all four shoulders are down, and the ones that the ref has counted down are uh, Hawks, uh-huh. despite the fact he's executed the offensive move, which seems strange. But anyway, if they're all down, you would have thought there's no count, or you know, yeah. I, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't intrigue me. It didn't 
grabbed me. It didn't. I didn't think, oh, what an inventive finish. I just thought, oh, okay. It's a bit um, shitty. And yeah, it's not even but, like you're getting the heels over as being dastardly because it's a ref mistake. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can see, and I, I worry this maybe means another match between them I'm because surely LOD are justified in having another, given mm-hmm. the way that one went down, but we just don't need to see this anymore. Well, i tell you who wasn't seeing it anymore. That'd be Jack Doan that got hit with the... Um, I mean, probably fair enough. He's, he's just screwed them out. <laughs> Inadvertently screwed them out winning the titles, but please don't put that man up on your shoulders and attempt oh, to break his horrible. neck. Yeah. <laughs> it was brutal. That was horrible. That, that just... That just shouldn't happen. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't like that at all. No, me neither. <laughs> heard so many stories about how stiff they work yep. and things, and uh, all I was thinking is, does that include when they're taking out poor Jack Doan? You know, he, oh, not not good. Nah. So from that match, we go to a weird impromptu or <laughs> sort of country concert. Um, I didn't take a note of the, the name of the band that were singing, but I thought the guy was actually quite a good singer. Um, okay, uh, I don't have it noted either. I've got Tennessee Lee introduces musicians, then Jeff Jarrett, uh, but I didn't write down who they were. So I think we were texting about this, but we've seen this before with Jeff Jarrett. Mm-hmm. However, by the last time, at the last pay-per-view, he wasn't this country singer gimmick. He was just NWA wrestler Jeff Jarrett I think yeah um, so somewhere in there he's he's went back to to being the country singer he's got no road to back up for him this time because he's now the road dog <laughs> um, so, so Jarrett sings with his country band and he gets quite a good reception for the crowd and then Steve Blackman uh, slightly oversaturated in this pay-per-view comes out <laughs> from nowhere and attacks Jeff Jarrett I think he was the one that maybe broke his, his winning streak yeah um, but then Tennessee Lee smashes oh. Steve Blackman with a guitar yeah who knew Tennessee Lee had that in him he's putting the Des- boots to him after as well despicable behaviour did you see uh, so Jarrett applies figure of four leg lock <laughs> Uh, and the fans are chanting, we want Flair. Yeah. I wondered if that was, you know, intentional. Mm. Um, try and get a reaction. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it didn't, again, it didn't really do anything for me. No, nah, me neither. Pointless. Bit, yeah. They're still working out some bits and pieces. I feel like they were not pushing Steve Blackman, but I, f- I feel like they probably think that they had something in him for a little while. Yeah. He's the, the the I mean my main Steve Blackman memory is the time that uh, he's <laughs> fighting Shane and yep. Shane falls off that yeah um, but other than that I, d- I can't really remember anything he did in his he- career head cheese oh yes Let's I, go I, head cheese. I take back what I said because it's, it's a brilliant chant yes <laughs> maybe that's all but <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, yeah next so next match is. It's kind of the one that this has all been building towards. If you're, if you were only tuning in for the odd part of uh, the most recent Raws in, in mm-hmm. WrestleMania, uh, we've got the Inferno match between the Undertaker and Kane, the Brothers of Destruction. I've got Inferno match, aka the Ultimate Sweat Fest. <laughs> so 
Yeah, so I, I think I think traditionally in the past, I don't know if they were called inferno matches or burning rope matches or whatever, but I don't think they've ever wrestling's ever seen a match like this before. Um, we've had I think we've had matches where the ropes are wrapped in in towel or, or, or cloth or whatever and they're set on fire. Okay. Um but this was this felt like sort of high production with the the thing that we had round the outside and you look to be you look to have had a guy sort of controlling the flames. We sort of see him at one point. Um and he's a guy controlling the flames going up and down when something mm-hmm. dramatic happens in the match. Yeah. Um the the match itself is a bit of a damp squib as far as yeah. Matt, you know, like uh, they had quite a good match at WrestleMania 14. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all about the gimmick and let's try and force each other into the flames, and it's just a bit redundant after a while. I yeah, think. yeah, I'd I'd put that it it's actually a bit boring once you mm-hmm. know once the novelty of the flames is, is worn off a bit. Um, I think that you know when something did happen, like when somebody hit the mat or there's a big move and the flames go higher. That's you know it's, it's cool. It's a good visual to mm. to grab you and keep you uh, interested in what's going on. Um, Kane basically dominated the full match. Uh-huh. Um, so it's you know again you're building a monster. Um, and he's he's dominating the match against Undertaker, which very few people have done over the years. Um. But yeah, there's just not an, a huge amount that, that actually happened. I did write in my notes. Uh, I heard Paul Bearer howling at one point and <laughs> thought it was one of my cats. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. The, the, the big part that I got a real shock at, and I, I did know that they ended up outside the ring, but I obviously didn't remember at the time when Undertaker just nonchalantly throws Kane over the top rope. I was a bit like, whoa, yeah. how'd they control that? Yeah. Um, now, I imagine the flames were low at the point that it happened, but yeah. yeah. Um, and then we've got, oh, your 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 guy turns yeah. up. Here he is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, this I had no memory of happening. Nah, uh, I mean, during this match an odd one so Kane mm. gets thrown over the top rope by Undertaker Undertaker's a bit hemmed in and can't really go anywhere uh, so Kane decides to leave uh, out the back comes a tracksuited Vader um, starts beating Kane up and, and sending him back towards the ring uh, Kane starts getting on top of him and then we see out the corner of our, our eye the Undertaker does comes off the ropes and flies over the ropes and hits them both and it's a cool visual you get the flames going up behind them as he's going over the top rope and it's it's a good spot yeah um so from there we get the, the ultimate in distraction um you've got Kane lying at the side of the ring so undertaker decides to go after paul bearer paul bearer takes one for the team here um to allow Kane to get a uh, pyroed up the, the, the Undertaker and, and Undertaker is basically stalking Paul Bearer up on the stage that Jeff Jarrett was performing on and Paul Bearer ends up with a bass drum on his head <laughs> and uh, with blood pouring down his face so he, yeah like I say he's taking one for the team yeah so I assume that they're getting Kane you know once we come back and Kane gets up we see 
his his left arm seems to have grown about four times the size <laughs> as he's padded up to take the the finish. So cynical. I know. That's <laughs> what happens when you get to this age. Hey, and you've been watching this bullshit this long. <laughs> hey, I think Undertaker hits him with the big boot. Kane stumbles back, lands in the fire, and that's it. His arm goes on fire. He's flailing that motherfucker about just so that all the fans can see it and runs to the back. I'm going to sound really cold here, but I remember (laughs) when I was young being so (laughs) underwhelmed by, you know, the guy on fire. I was like, his sleeve's on fire. You know, (laughs) Pat, pat that on something, it'll go out in a few seconds, but um, I suppose, what are they going to do? You know, they're they're not going to have the guy head to toe burning. Um, so yeah, I think, I think uh, as a youngster I was maybe hoping for uh, a cooler visual than that. Oh, you must have liked that Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton match then. Mm. Mm. See? Mm. Never meet your yeah, heroes. It's, it's, it's not all about the cool visuals, is it? No. <laughs> Yeah, so like I'm sure at the time that that novelty was cool, was cool yeah. to watch, and um, for the people that were there, I'm sure the the smell during the next match was incredible. Yeah, Put, um, yeah. like it's this dead serious storyline. Or I mean, if you if you're able to take it serious, and all this stuff about family and that, and we get this big long package at the start. And then the first thing it cuts to is Jay, uh, the king sitting with marshmallows trying to toast them. <laughs> um, yeah. Interesting to see where this takes us again. I can't, I can't, oh, I, I can't remember where it goes oh, on no. the next night. We'll, we'll talk about that. Um, okay. So what? this takes us nicely into our main event, Stone Cold. The biggest, by now we're talking, even at this early stage, he's the biggest star, arguably, in wrestling, certainly the biggest star at WWF have got. He is their poster boy. Yeah. Um, the pop for him's amazing. Stone Cold mm-hmm. feet do love for the WWF Heavyweight Championship. Um, we're still waiting on something catastrophic to happen. So, yeah. How do you like this? I, I, I thought this was... Fine, you know, it, um, it was clearly designed to build the Austin McMahon story more so than the Austin Dude Love mm-hmm. story. Um, we've got McMahon being out there from the, is it right from the start of the match or does he come down? I think he comes down, but it's fair, it's right. pretty early on. Yeah, so everyone knows what the the threat is that McMahon's going to try to screw Austin out of the title. We got a video package before it for, you know, catch anyone up because it, it showed things like the, you know, I could beat you with one arm tied behind my back and then uh, that becoming a literal fight for Austin McMahon. Dude, love getting involved. So if you've not watched, you kind of get a feel for what's happened. They do mention Dude, love there being no real logical explanation as to why he's number one contender um which is you know building the fact that he's aligned with mcmahon um so in in reality pritchard said that they didn't go with triple h because they wanted someone completely new to go up against austin okay 
Um, it, it is hard to look and know who the obvious heel would have been mm-hmm. to go there. And I think it, it might have helped Triple H not because he would have had to just be fed to Austin, you would have thought. Yep. At this point. So, uh, probably a good thing for him, for his career and longevity towards the top. Um, yeah, we, we've got, you know, quite a lot of, uh, outside brawling and things like that. I think by this point, Austin generally is a brawler mm-hmm. in the ring, in ring style. Um, I don't like all these hip tosses, dude love takes on the floor yeah, and things like that, that. Off that stage onto the concrete. Yeah. Genuine um, concrete. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. No wonder he's, uh, he's, uh, hobbling about these days and no, I think had numerous operations, but, um, yeah, I think Austin, it, every time Austin looks like he's starting to dominate, uh, dude love manages to, to turn the tables. There's a, there's a sleeper hold. I think, yeah, he's got him in a sleeper hold when McMahon and the Stooges walk down. Um, so obviously there's a, a submission move technically in play there. So you've immediately got it in your mind to kind of affiliate what McMahon might do with what's going on in the ring. Mm. Um, yeah, you've, you've got, uh, Austin noticing McMahon rallying with a bit of a comeback. Um, he starts going after Dude Love's leg. Um, I, I usually like when they go a bit, you know, logical to me, go for a part of the body, you know, try and take out a part of your opponent. Um, there's a point where Dude Love backdrops Austin onto the concrete on the outside. And um, when I was watching it, I was thinking I'm a little bit surprised that Austin takes bumps like that. It didn't look horrible. It didn't look like, you know, one of the really brutal ones you see quite well controlled and all that. But with the issues he's had, I'm always surprised when he goes a little bit mm. airborne. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, we've got Austin often looking in McMahon's direction. You know, there's a couple of instances where um, McMahon is berating Austin. Um, he's calling him a coward and things like that and, and telling him to, to get up and fight and, and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that that's all quite interesting in terms of adding to the story i think there is a point where mcmahon yeah there, there is mcmahon is um telling the timekeeper to ring the bell yeah again it's that abdominal stretch that that he was yeah. doing on blackman uh, mm-hmm. on raw um the timekeeper doesn't ring the bell uh through you have to assume through the fear of the threat that was made earlier on in the night there. Yep. Um, and then we we get uh, Austin, I think, pretty quickly is able to reverse the, the hold. Um, so there's there's no longer a, a question of a, of a screw job for that particular move. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got, a, quite, again, a more brawling on the outside. I think a lot of this match seemed to, seemed to go to the outside. Um, we've got uh, just looking at my, I wrote a surprising amount of notes for this match mm-hmm. I must have felt like there was quite a lot going on um, we've got Dude Love blocking a stunner and applying the mandible claw now this is probably where if, if you try to look at this all seriously uh, alarm bells would ring because mm. it's a, again a, a submission move or I think people do they usually just pass out from it I think uh, 
is the story. Um, we've got the have I missed a ref bump? There was a ref yeah, bump. Yeah, Kyoto takes a takes a bump by. Yeah. Um, after just after they've been outside, mm-hmm. um, Austin suplexes fully on the stairs. Yeah. And it looks like the lo- his lower back and his knees take all of it, and it looks horrible. Yeah. Um, he's obviously always keen to take these bumps, but they cannot have been good for career longevity. Um, cause it, everything looks like it hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the the ref is down at a point when um, Dudlove has got Austin in the manable claw, I think for the second time, and uh, McMahon's trying to revive the ref. Um, looks like Stone Cold's out. Uh, for the count, Dude Love releases the hold, gets gets to his feet. Um, he goes at Austin, but Austin backdrops him over the ro- ropes. Ref's still down and out at this point. Um, Austin goes for a chair. McMahon grapples with him for it uh, while Dude Love's recovering. McMahon shoves the chair into Austin's face, sending him to the ground. Dude Love's now got the chair. I've just written Dude in all my notes rather than Dude Love, <laughs> so apologies if that's what I say at any point. Um, Dude Love charges at Austin with a chair. Uh, Austin blocks it with, I think it's like a forearm or elbow, uh, send the chair into Dude Love's face. Dude Love's now down. There's a whole lot going on in a really short period of time here. Um, McMahon's helping Dude Love get up. Oh, um, no. Austin hits McMahon with a, a chair shot. No. It's um, it's quite brutal. This is, this is up there with the, the rock hitting Shamrock, I think. Yeah. Um, something, you know the noise when it feels like it's a, a proper horrible connection? Yep. Um, yeah, it did that. I've, yeah, got, I, I, I've written here, Austin fucking scrambles Vince <laughs> with a chair shot. Yeah, it, it's it's not. Like, like, you know, I, I suppose at the time we're not looking at chair shots with the same mm-hmm. scrutiny as we do now. Um, but some of them are just horrible and that, that wasn't a nice one. No. Um, the crowd really popped for it. <laughs> um, we've got Austin with a stunner on Dude Love. The ref's down. Austin counts the three himself. <laughs> um, What's that all about? It, it, it can't be legal. Um, whoever's yeah. in the back's surely going to get. Whoever's in the back is started playing Austin's music is surely getting fired. Yeah, because he yeah. counts himself and then his music starts playing, and yeah. then we get another another Finkel moment after that. Um, yeah, because he announces that Dude Loves One by DQ. I don't know who's told yeah. him to say that because Kyoto is fucked. <laughs> and Vince is in a coma. Oh, I bet it's the Fink just freestyling. Do you he's, think? He's, yeah, he's taking matters into his own hands. Maybe it's he's like thinking if he came up with the name WrestleMania, which apparently he did, then he he can do whatever he wants. Fair dues, Fink. You go for it. Um, it, it, so might yeah. been, it might be Mark Eaton, the real higher power Mark Eaton. Ah, uh, of course. Imagine he had been unmasked. <laughs> nah, nah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they, they, there's a there's a lot of talk about uh, neck problems McMahon's had in the past, mm-hmm. and he during he's the steroid the... trial, <laughs> <laughs> right enough. That's when he had the brace, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, they, they put a neck brace on him again. Um, he, I don't think he moves. Mm-hmm. I think he hasn't moved, so he's he's selling it. 
Um, JR is, you know, again, doing his, my guy, my baby face has gone a bit too far here. Um, he's saying regardless of what you think of McMahon, he has a family, that kind of thing shouldn't happen. Um, and basically when the pay-per-view goes off air, they're talking about the, the repercussions that will come out of this. Because um, I, I don't think, I think there were a couple of incidents with Bret Hart, but we're we're still not really used to seeing McMahon be physically attacked by anyone other than Austin. You know, yeah. he's had a couple of stunners and things like that. Um, but that chair shot was, was horrible. <laughs> Brutal. And, and yeah, and that's that's the pay-per-view. A weird way to go off pay-per-view with mm-hmm. Vince getting put on a stretcher, but like you say at that time, um, he's went from head commentator to, you know, uh, acknowledging he's head of the company. So... Um, Probably a big deal at the time, I suppose. Yeah. And we've got this big rebel character who's just smashed his brains in. So, yeah, I suppose we're making a big thing of it. Um, yeah, an up and down pay per view. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, it's funny because there's there's a lot on the card that isn't great, mm-hmm. and you know we talked through it, but somehow it I don't know it it has a feel that gets away with it, which by this point WCW doesn't yeah. a lot of the time yeah. um it can it can survive off the back of a couple of storylines and you know one or two matches that everyone's waiting for yep yeah i think we're being sent home happy whereas with with some of these wcw shows we're either being sent home frustrated <laughs> or just plain confused with yeah what's going yeah. on um just just briefly raw the night after i think there's again there's a few themes of things that are going on. Um, those repercussions, uh, apparently, is for us to have to suffer through Jerry Briscoe saying, yes, Mr. McMahon, over and over again. It's so annoying. Yes, sir, Mr. McMahon. Um, oh. So we get, yeah, we get a continuation of this dude love, McMahon, Austin feud, we get Briscoe guest in Austin versus Goldust, which is an yep. odd choice for Vince, as he's you know he's he's sort of picking anybody in the locker room. He's he's picked the forever un what was he forever unchained, unchanged, unchained. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, this odd guy, but obviously <laughs> the whole thing is Briscoe is refing and he's fast counting whenever Austin's shoulders are down. Um, I've got here that sort of just sort of peters out when dude love interferes. Um, yeah. They're they're kinda of playing off through the show a couple of times that Dude Love feels betrayed by McMahon and he says things like this isn't what we agreed, which, you know, gives the game away in terms of they are or they were aligned. Working together, right. Yeah. Um and he's annoyed that he isn't getting another shot. It's gold dust that's now Getting a shot. That's right, because he attacks him before the match, doesn't he? Yeah. That was yeah. my shot, he says. Eh? Yeah. Um, so they're, you know, I, I think they're kind of advancing that storyline. Um, I, I, I don't know where it actually does go from here. I know that, you know, Austin leaves with the belt. Um, I think there's... Uh, you've got Dude Love basically looking like he's he's going to attack everyone or anyone. Um, Austin fighting him off 
uh, Briscoe keeps getting in Austin's face, and is that because if it's a DQ or if he if he touches Briscoe, uh-huh, he's, he nah, he's trying forfeits to get him to, the belt. Uh-huh, he's trying yeah. to get him to assault them, eh? Yeah, so for most of the way through the match, Briscoe's trying to wind up Austin and get a reaction from him. Um, we we see uh, McMahon's back. He's fine. He's fine. Um, and he <laughs> tries to hit Austin with the belt, but he accidentally hits Briscoe. Um, then a two-finger salute from Austin to McMahon. And I get uh, there's no... I don't think there's any actual ending to the match as such. I think it's just a kind of a, a shit show finish. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think anyone's looking at this thinking, oh, is Goldust going to get another title shot? I think it's, <laughs> it's just... He's a pawn in here. Yeah, absolutely. So some, some other... There's a few big things happen here. Um, I'm not going to go through what all happens with Kane and The Undertaker. Um, I'll just refer to my notes. As if Kane Undertaker angle wasn't absurd enough, we now get the revelation that Paul Bearer is Kane's father. Um, And to top that off, we also get, I think it's King, explaining that that means that Paul Bearer (laughs) has had relations with The Undertaker's mother. I'm glad he cleared that up. I know, me too, because I I didn't really get it, so (laughs) thanks to King. Um, We've got Owen Hart screwing over Shamrock, who are obviously bestest buddies. Mm. Uh, So that's a real... A real shocker, but now we've got Owen Hart obviously said, obviously said enough was enough and he's aligned himself with the nation um, yep. I believe he was tagging Shamrock and Owen versus two members of the nation and yeah. goes similar to the way that it went with Mark Henry <clears throat> Yep um, and, I, yeah. I, I remember quite liking that at the time but uh, it, it does make me wonder what the nation were meant to be, um, hmm. like I, I know. I think ah, um, uh, it it was probably Bruce Pritchard has talked about it before, saying it was never intended that it was a you know purely black group. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you see some mixed race people and things like that over the the incarnations and, and that type of thing and it um, it basically seems to just be not white but then it <laughs> becomes not white American I, I, I mm. don't know um, but and Vince's the head I, they're pro he's probably they're all minorities Canadian <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I remember thinking at the time again as a much younger man and with all this enthusiasm for what could be coming next, that I wonder if they could build Owen and make him into a thing, and he could use the nation as a vehicle. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just not going to happen. The the interesting thing about Owen joining the nation is that it kind of almost indirectly turns DX face. Yeah. By turning True. Owen heel... And who is feuding with a heel? Um, you essentially get that double turn, um, mm-hmm. and obviously talking about DX, they are probably the takeaway for the show um, yeah. with their 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 behaviours. They're we're we're apparently filming Raw 
30 minutes away from where Nitro is being filmed. So we get the classic uh, scenes of DX in their tank, in inverted commas. Um, and they're, they're, you know, like they're going about saying WCW sucks and Eric Bischoff sucks and when the megaphones and uh, they're banging down the door shot X back is good in this. <laughs> He's saying stuff like it's Sean Waltman, Bischoff just come out, I just want to talk and all this. <laughs> I well, has got the impression mm-hmm. that you, you never really know if he, he knows he's been recorded or if he's just behaving mm-hmm. like that. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder if he's if he's actually playing by a script or <laughs> if he's just kind of doing his own thing. Yeah. I can't remember who, who shouts it. It is X-Pac that gives a shout out to Kevin Nash and Scott Hall as well. And then Triple H starts shouting, let my people go. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really good entertainment. Um, I don't know what you thought. That there's obviously been growing in prominence as the shows have gone as a group, but this would have been the first time I looked and thought this episode, this this was their show, mm-hmm. um, because you know you've got Austin and he's the last on and all that. But this DX angle actually plays all the way through mm-hmm. the show, um, and it's it's really entertaining. They, they play it really well. They do like the, all the stuff with like Triple H addressing them like troops at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, like Billy Gunn's got an odd fascination with his <laughs> his lower region. He's doing all sorts of strange behaviour with a rocket launcher. Um, <laughs> ah, it's good. It's entertaining. I was I was pumped when I saw the thumbnail for this Raw and saw that it was the the WCW invasion. Yeah. Um, Bischoff says that if he'd known. He would have let them in and let them on into the ring, um, and would have made for for great TV. But yeah, take that with a pinch of salt, I think. Yeah, um, I, I remember hearing I, I was on some sort of interview. Uh, it was Kevin Nash talking about the fact that they, I think he said they they arrived at the arena and drove past this big group of people mm. but they didn't think anything of it but it turned out at the point that that happened that that was when DX were somewhere near the arena so the group of fans that were around them could have actually been around DX at that point yeah, but funny. He, he never never really thought anything of it as he was driving past he didn't know it was going to happen um, and I think he and Hall have both said previously that they, they wished they'd been able to let them in because um, what what amazing TV you know but um, I think you know all those bits that DX filmed early on were, were filmed quite a bit early but so before long before Nitro would have been live on air yeah um, but yeah I know there's been some arguments about the timings on the <laughs> on the Bischoff podcast. Well, it's clear, yeah, like you say, it's clearly being recorded during the day. Uh, and then we obviously get DX coming down to the ring on Raw and the Outlaws have a match against DOA. Um, maybe you can help clear this up. Is this a title match? I don't think so. Because um, DOA beat them in a sort of heelish yeah. manner. Mm-hmm. And LOD I, I... is supposed to have helped them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't think it was a title match, but it wasn't clear when when watching it. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they didn't lose the title. Um, I've got very limited notes for that section. Right. 
We'll find out, I'm sure. We'll find out by the next pay-per-view, which yeah. will be Over the Edge. Over the Hedge, I was going to say. Over the Edge, 98. Okay. Um, I don't know much about that. I think we possibly get an Austin Dude Love rematch. Um, uh, and I want to say Mr. McMahon might be the guest referee, but I am pulling that out of thin air. I, I think you're right. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. But before then, Adam, we've got Spring Stampede, WCW Spring Stampede, and we've got an ECW pay-per-view as well. Awesome. So, yeah. It's kind of like dangling the carrot in front of you and then <laughs> whapping you in the face with a big orange dildo. Yeah, I just remembered <laughs> last time we decided not to go WCW back to back, didn't yeah, we? Did. we? So did. the show that we're doing is actually before what we've just watched, which is a little bit depressing because we're, it feels <laughs> like we're going backwards with WCW, but maybe that sums up the whole yeah, quite, situation. Quite literally, yeah. But yeah. Let's just... Um, very quickly have a wee look at, at what we're looking at here. So on this WCW Spring Stampede, we have got such delights as... Oh, oh God. So we've got Perry Saturn versus Goldberg. I'll take a bet with you on who's going to win that. Uh, Chavo versus Ultimo Dragon. <laughs> Booker T's clearly fighting Benoit because it says he defends his title. Um Bulldog versus Kurt Hennig. Odd. Someone mm. called Yaukea uh, versus Jericho. Prince Ayukea. That sounds better than what I said. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's quite right, but it feels like something I've heard said before. Okay. Uh, Luger and Rick Steiner versus Scott Steiner and B Buff Bagwell. Mm. La Parca versus Psychosis. There's your highlight. Nice. Nash and Hogan versus Piper oh, and the Giant. Don't, don't say it. Baseball bat on a pole match. You said it. My bad. Raven versus DD. I mean, how many times have we seen this match now? <laughs> Raven versus DDT. And Macho Man Randy Savage versus Sting for WCW Heavyweight Championship. Okay, um, I'm not overly excited, but remember once in the past we weren't overly excited and it was a good show. Mm -hmm. Could it happen again? Well, for Uncensored, we were, the, you know, like the card looked, I think we described it as one of the greatest looking mm -hmm. cards on paper that we'd ever seen and it was bloody awful. So, yeah, you never know. We might be pleasantly surprised. Well, fingers crossed. Like, I like Raven and I like DDP, but we have seen this match a lot yeah. in various different guises. Piper! Yeah. yeah. Let's not be negative. Let's give it a go. I'll try. If it's shit, then... We don't have to watch any more WCW pay-per-views for this run. What do you think of that? We kind of do that, can we? Mm, I think that'd be a bit of a cop-out. I think it would as well. It's so yeah. tempting. <laughs> I think we've put ourselves in this position yep. and we have to see it through. <laughs> Good for you, Adam. I'm glad I'm not doing this alone. 
Cool. Well, Unforgiven was mixed. Um, we get through our WCW pay-per-view spring stampede, and then we'll do some ECW after that. So there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to going back to ECW. That'll be fun. I believe the I've had to be look forward. I think the main event for that is Al Snow versus Shane Douglas. Okay, I can get on board with that. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, that sounds absurd, <laughs> but yeah, me too. Well, yeah, thanks for that, Adam. I think um, I think we are really selling our big twentieth episode. <laughs> but, um, until then, uh, take it easy, and we'll we'll. Uh, We'll see you down the road for WCW Spring Stampede. Thanks, Adam. Cheers, thank you.